solve somebody's problem, even if that means you have to take a calculated risk, solve their problem. I have done that over and over with some of the properties that I've purchased. The biggest element is solve their problem. Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, we have used uh, Mark Belsky. He is a point person at Eastern Union Funding as a partner with us, and he has helped us secure debt uh, for actually a deal we closed on this month. And we've worked with him. Um, In addition, my clients, my program, my consulting program have worked with him to successfully close on deals. When we were starting out, Ashcroft was starting out, we had somewhat of a track record, but we weren't fully as established with our investor network. I went to him and we secured some equity, $500,000 in equity to fund one of our deals. While he works with more institutional partners, you know, he's brought $200 million in equity over the last 12 months. He was able to help us out there, and we've built a relationship with him and Eastern Union Funding ever since. So if you need equity for your deal and you have a track record, then he's your point person. His number is 212-897-9875. If you need debt, then he partners up with Arbor on a lot of transactions. So if you're a multifamily borrower who wants agency or bridge debt, then that's the team to work with. Uh, We have worked with their team, both Eastern Union and Arbor, on deals. And people who have purchased our deals, purchased deals from us, have used Arbor, as well as my clients in my consulting program, they've used it. So this is a recommendation that comes from firsthand experience. And the last thing I'll say about uh, working with Mark Belsky at Eastern Union is that if you need a loan guarantor, but don't have that track record quite yet, then Mark can look at what you've, the deal you've got And assuming it checks out, he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal. So debt, equity, and potentially loan guarantors. Uh, All you need, well, you need to find a deal, obviously. Um, But besides that, you know, the other main components of the deal they can help you out with. So talk to Mark Belsky. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com and his phone number 212-897-9875. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Heidi Nelson, how you doing, Heidi? Hey, I am blessed, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity and you've been a huge inspiration in my life. Thank you for mentioning that and looking forward to learning more about yourself and your background a little bit about Heidi, and then we'll get into it in more detail. She just mentioned to me right before we started recording that she was basically homeless nine years ago, so we'll hear about that. She has gone from buying single-family homes to buying smaller multifamily properties. She's purchased two businesses, a property management company, as well as a preschool. She buys the businesses, all of which have been purchased using seller financing. She is based in San Benito, California. So with that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yes, Joe. 
also, like you said, I'm in the Hollister or the South County area, south of the Bay Area in California. A little bit easier than the Bay Area to get into this market, but however, it's still California market, which is a struggle. About nine years ago, I was knocked off my high horse, went from living in a million-dollar home, accustomed to a very nice lifestyle, to virtually being homeless and having to take my kids. They were pretty much all I had left, take my kids and move into my parents' house and try to figure out which direction was up. With that, you know, when you're on bottom, you can't fall any further down because you're already on, <laughs> you're already <laughs> down as far as you can get. <laughs> yep. So it's all up from there. So basically I had to learn how to shake myself off, figure life out. And how do I do this with no money? So strategies quickly came into play. Let's see. The first question is what happened where you had a million dollar house and then you were having to move you and your kids into your parents' house? Well, what happened was actually I got married when I was 18 years old. I had no formal college education. I did some college, some technical school kind of thing. But basically what I was was a support wife. And my husband was in full-time ministry, so we had pretty much dedicated our life to that. And I was a stay-at-home mom. And when your income is derived from ministry and you go through a divorce, you immediately find yourself jobless. So you can go from a nice income, very comfortable lifestyle, surrounded by wonderful, great people, to immediately no income, no spouse, no college education. And we were in the midst of the 2008 economic downturn. Now, I did have my real estate license at that time. But at that time, it was taking nine months to 11, 12 months to complete a short sale. And it was a whole new way of doing business that I didn't understand. So when you got kids and expenses and everything's going out and there's nothing coming in, there's no alimony, there's no child support, there's absolutely nothing, you're pretty much stuck. What'd you do? Moved in with mom and dad. (laughs) (laughs) And from there, actually, doors began to open. I did know the value of hard work. I'd always been raised with, you do what's right, you trust in God, and you just work as hard as you can. So that was the basis of where it started. I received a phone call from a friend of mine who worked at a property management company, and she said, hey, the seller wants to sell. Do you want to meet him? I said, yes. She said, when? I said, today, one o'clock. Met him in a Starbucks in Gilroy, California, shook his hand for the first time. We sat down, we talked for about an hour, and basically I bought that business on a $5,000 deposit and a handshake. He called me after the meeting around 5 o'clock that evening, and he said, I hope you're serious. And I said, I am. And he said, okay, because I just fired the property manager. you got to be here at 8 in the morning. So I took over the next day as owner. We kind of did everything in reverse where I started, I wrote out the check, and then we figured out how to sign contracts and make it legal. Wow. What did the property management company own that you were buying? Basically, they just had accounts. When it was originally sold to me, they thought there was about 95 to 100 accounts. Ended up that the person he fired got angry and took about half of them accounts. 
So I probably in real reality had about 60, 65 accounts when it was all said and done. No property or anything like that. It was just the book of business and the name and the reputation within the town. Why fire the right-hand person prior to you buying it? She was in a purchase agreement and had not delivered on the purchase agreement. And then at the same time of not delivering on the purchase agreement, the payroll for the staff began to bounce. And when he became aware that the employees were not getting paid, he had to immediately terminate and dissolve his association and agreement with her. And he was already retired at that point. He didn't want to take back up the business. And from there, he was immediately desperate looking for somebody. And I happened to be the shoes that could fill that need. How much do you buy it for in total? I bought it for $55,000 with a $5,000 deposit. And what were the terms of the seller financing? 5% interest and 5000 went towards the down payment and 50000 at 5% interest paid monthly. You bought it and you mm-hmm. moved in or you... I just set up shop. <laughs> set up shop. Okay. And then what'd you do with the business? Well, it was a hard market. A lot of people were pulling their accounts because the market was getting a little bit shaky. But pretty much by the time that I took over, everything that could have fallen off had fallen off. So we had a good core. And I just began to work hard. I actually worked for no income for probably the first year and a half, maybe even the first two years. And then at some point, I started taking $1,000 a month. So I was doing that during the day and selling real estate. I continued to sell real estate because I had a broker's license by that time. I was selling real estate on uh, nights and weekends and just pretty much doing anything I could to make it work. You were selling real estate on nights and weekends and you were turning this property management company, maybe not turning it around, but you were slow. It was a slow turnaround. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How come you didn't focus your efforts on bringing in more property management clients versus selling real estate at night and weekends? I would say probably the largest reason being is it was a learning curve. I was just doing what I knew to do. I knew how to sell real estate. I knew how to make deals happen by that time. And with the property management, it was still something that I was having to learn. And at this point, I would probably focus differently. Hindsight's twenty twenty, But I just didn't have the mentorship or the direction leadership. I was kind of like a a little boat in a big sea trying to figure it all out. We're all little boats in a big sea. I think that analogy fits everyone. (laughs) The the business was at 60 to 65 accounts. Well, before I ask this, you said hindsight's 2020. You might have done some things differently. What would you have done? Well, I would probably would have focused more on the property management with that whole course of it. But in reality, maybe I wouldn't have done something different because I was doing only what I knew. So if I knew or my knowledge was bigger, then I probably would have been trying at that time to buy up more property management companies or buy up accounts from property management companies. But it just wasn't something that I knew or thought of to do or a direction I thought to go in. What year is this? This was about 2010. 2010. You still have the company? I do. How many accounts do you have now? 
about 350. Wow. <laughs> You've grown it so a little still bit. still a small company. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, you went from 60 to over 300. Correct. Wow. How'd you do it? Good customer service, follow-up, and I did during that time buy out two other companies' accounts. So one of them was an opportunity in Morgan Hill, which is where I was living at the time. I got a call, and it was the seller of the property management company. He had hired a gentleman who was basically stealing some of the trust funds, and it was a bad situation. But at the time that he called, again, I didn't have any money. And he wanted about, I don't know, 30000 or so for the accounts. I did not have the money, and I couldn't figure out how I would be able to do it and satisfy what he needed and what I needed. So I came up with a plan of if you will turn over these property management contracts to me, then I will give you a 15% referral fee. So basically, if I collect the rent and from there I'm able to collect a management fee, then I would give you 15%. If you influence the people against me and don't help me keep these landlords on board and they go somewhere else and I'm not collecting a management fee, then you don't get paid. Mm. So we structured it a little bit different in that aspect. And I did it for the life of the account, which means as we lost an account, he would no longer get paid on that account. If we kept the account, he would get paid. I don't know that it was the best way to do it, but it was the only way I knew how to do it at the time with no money down. And I will say he's been handsomely paid because, oh, that was probably about seven years ago. And since that time, I have retained every single account with the exception of one. One property was in the middle of an eviction when I took over and we did lose that landlord. But to this day, seven years later, I have every single property. And that man that sold me that property management company has continued to get paid. Whereas if I had just gave him the $30,000, he would be said and done. But it really doesn't cost me anything uh -huh. at this point. I just figured it as a cost of overhead. Wow. What a creative way to structure that. When you say 15%, is that 15% of whatever property management? Of the management fees. Okay. Yeah. So at that time, I think there was around $7,000 a month income. And I took and times that by 15% and he got 15%. We took 85%. So after all overhead and expenses and stuff, I think I added about $5,000 a month income to the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Wow. Doing what I already did because I already had an employee that was handling the management for me. And you got into it with no money out of pocket. None. That's great. That works out for both. I mean, granted, he's getting multiples of what he would have been paid out at closing, but time value of money, too. He's getting it at a later date, and you got into it where you didn't have any money out of pocket, and you started receiving money at the very beginning because those were now your Correct. Account. It helped me to get some income, and then I could get a little bit more than $1,000 a month that I was taking from the other company. <laughs> it helped everybody to get what they were desiring. And if I would have known techniques and actually started marketing and looking for more mom-and-pop management companies at that time that I could take and implement that strategy, I was just young and green and didn't have any business experience. I didn't go to business school. I didn't have business experience, so I was just stumbling my way through the dark trying to find just some direction. 
So in hindsight, I would probably, knowing that that strategy now works, I probably would have just been blanketing anybody that had a property management company and trying to buy their accounts. Yeah. How many accounts did that company add to you? I think they had 30. 30. They had 30. Okay, cool. And the first one that you bought with 5000 down, you bought it 55000 and you said drama happened with the person who got fired. You ended up getting about 60 accounts for that. Correct. And, and, and one... I've retained all of them to date as well. Okay. So you're right around, what is that, $1,000 an account? Is that how you think of it whenever you purchase a property? I have since that time. Yes. Since that time, I've kind of based it on that formula for our area. I don't know if that's industry standard, but I am willing at this point, if somebody comes to me and says they have accounts, and I did buy another 27 accounts, I believe, from another individual, and I paid $27,000 for it. Again, but I did it over seller financing. The same, the same concept. No. This was just, I gave them a down payment, I believe, of $5,000, and then I collected the monthly management fee and paid them out of that management fee about $1,200 a month until they were paid off. Huh. And that's been paid off. But it equated out to $1,000 a door. Yeah. It's fascinating. I don't think in 1,500 interviews plus, I don't think I've interviewed someone who's buying property management companies. And certainly, I have not interviewed someone who used the credit financing that you did to do it. I love hearing about this stuff. What else about those transactions do you think we should talk about? Well, probably that I should focus more on them, and I haven't because distractions <laughs> come and a lot of things get going. I did have another interesting business buy that may or may not be interesting to you, but in one of the management halls that a landlord wants you to come and talk to them about either selling their property or renting their property out, when I went and I sat down with that landlord, I asked them, like I normally always do, why are you looking to lease out your property? It's a beautiful home. And she said, well, I have another business here in town. And it was the town that I worked in. I have a business here in town and it didn't sell. So if I ever need to come back, I would like to be able to just remove the tenant and have my home back. And I said, if you don't mind me asking, what kind of business is that? And she said, it's a preschool. And what she didn't know is I had already written on my goals that within seven years, I wanted to start a preschool. My father had been in business in a preschool, and I had kind of been raised and grew up around that business, although I didn't really know that business. I knew it was a solid, steady business, and I was just looking for different ways to increase cash flow. So I began to talk with her, not about property management, but how can I buy your business? And with that one, we ended up coming to a deal of 100% finance at 0% interest, purchase price $75,000. I think there was 27 students at that time. And I gave her a $1,000 deposit and I spread the payments out so that basically I could collect the income from the business and then pay her out. So I started out paying her $1,000 a month, and then it escalated up, but everything goes straight to principal pay down at 0% interest. So on that one, it was 100% financing. I only put $1,000 out of my own pocket, and then the business virtually began to pay her each month. I took that business from 27 students and increased licensing to 60 
It took me about seven months to do the turnaround and get the licensing increase because there were some problems with the Department of Social Services and the paperwork and just the red tape that you have to go through. So it did take me longer to take and expand that preschool. But today we're licensed for 60. We have a waiting list and that business has completely paid her and has become very valuable to myself as a secondary kind of backup business. So I've kind of taken that same concept and moved it into real estate because when all of this started, I didn't even own a home. And from there, I began to make some purchases and utilizing the same concept of buying businesses, but doing it with real estate. And pretty much every property that I have purchased, with the exception of my personal home, I have used all the power of either seller financing or leveraging a partnership. Wow. Really interesting how you structured that and how coincidentally, or maybe not coincidentally, depending on your beliefs, you had that as a goal and then you came across it. Because personally, I have not come across someone who is selling or was trying to sell a preschool, but you, you, have, you happen to do it. Uh, what is, what is I had no idea. That, I mean, I just have to say that's a God thing. I don't know any other way to explain that. Yeah. It was on my goals and this lady called. And she had tried to sell it through like business franchise from what I understand. And that didn't work. And then she sold it to an employee. And at the last minute, they couldn't come up with the down payment. And that didn't work. And she was exasperated. She hired a director. Well, I'm not going to be a director anyway. So I needed the director. So she hired who she thought would be the greatest director to run the preschool, got them all in place. And she was going to run it remotely from San Diego. Well, the way it worked out, like I said, I wasn't going to go and be an on-staff person. I just wanted to own the preschool. So I kept that director in place, and we just figured a way to make it happen. And by that time, I think possibly she had come to the reality of the situation that maybe this was the best type of agreement she should take. So sometimes you're not the best person sometimes if you're the first in line. Sometimes if some bills fall out before you get there, you get the cherry on top, so to speak. Or in your case, you're the only one still in line. Mm-hmm. Which one makes you more money, the property management or the preschool? Well, I take my income from the property management, and that definitely takes more time. But the way I look at the preschool, the preschool has become a very strong financial arm, and it does have the ability within the community to have a lot of growth. And I am looking to expand that but it's hard to balance everything. I'm one person. I'm still a single mom, although my children are to the age of they're starting their adulthood now. But I still have to kind of keep some perspective and some balance in life as well. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? Oh, boy. Best real estate <laughs> advice would be solve somebody's problem, even if that means you have to take a calculated risk. Solve their problem. I have done that over and over with some of the properties that we've purchased or that I've purchased, the biggest element is solve their problem. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I sure hope so. Let's go. All right. Well, I hope you are too. I think you are. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212-897-9875. 
That's 212-897-9875. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com. Have you heard about the latest podcast for entrepreneurs called Tough Decisions? Listen to Dan and Danae Hanford as they interview successful people from around the world about tough decisions as entrepreneurs. Visit toughdecisions.net and be sure to subscribe to their free weekly entrepreneurial email. That's toughdecisions.net. Best ever book you've recently read? Ooh, I would have to say the Bible. I use that as kind of my moral compass and guide. Best ever deal you've done? I, that we, I, that, that we I will say, though, I did order your book. Oh, <laughs> it hasn't right. came yet. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to compete with the Bible. Best ever... <laughs> Best ever book you or best ever deal you've done that we haven't talked about? Earlier this year, I had the opportunity to purchase a fourplex. So I tied it up and with that, wrote an all cash offer. I did not have the cash, but I knew I could find the cash. So as it all kind of worked out, I ended up finding an investor who was willing to put up 100% of the acquisition and rehab cost. And we secured him with the first deed of trust. So we bought it at 655. We put a first deed of trust on the property at 700,000 to make sure that no matter what he would get paid out. He was also a partner in the fourplex. And two weeks after we closed escrow, one exact footprint, two doors down, sold for 980,000. So we had about 325,000 instant equity in that. I have no money out of pocket, just the ability to structure the deal, put that together, find the investor, sell the investor on the concept, and he's secured because he's a first deed of trust plus a partner. So I think that was pretty good. For a small person like me, I think that was a pretty good deal. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Mistake I've made on a transaction is number one, getting distracted, and number two, having sight but not having the vision to see the deal. I had a listing on a prop, not a property, a mini storage several years back. And this mini storage, I had the listing probably for six months right under my nose. And the gentleman that I bought the property management company, he came in and he sat down at the adding machine in front of me and he began to work the numbers and he said, I'm buying this deal. And he bought that with no money down. I shouldn't say no money down. It was no money out of his pocket. He did a 1031 exchange out of a bad partnership, put it into the purchase of this, and then got a construction refinance that basically brought money back into his pocket to the same amount that he was exchanging into it. So he did a construction loan that ended up giving him his down payment back. And he was able to expand that to about 700 units. And I had been the listing agent on that. I would have been either looking to syndicate that out or somehow get some sort of partnership in on it. So as it worked out, it was a huge, huge learning lesson for me, but it's a mistake that I don't want to make again. Best ever way you like to give back? I like to give back to my church and also through missions, missions trips. What's the best way the best ever listeners can learn more about what you're doing? They can just give me a call. My phone number is 408-500-5000. That's okay to say over the air. Heidi, thank you for being on the show and talking about the creative way that you went from 
moving back in with your parents where you brought your kids there too, to buying and owning property management companies and how you bought them. I just find it so fascinating how you were resourceful and put those deals together and made it work, especially the second one. Well, the first one, because that's a big deal because you needed to make things happen. But the second one, how you worked it so you had no money out of pocket and you gave them 15% and you acquired more because I do know that you make more money with property management companies when you scale. So you get more and more units. That's when you make more and more. So you, you've got to get it to a critical mass and you're doing it in a very creative way. So thanks for being on the show, talking about this preschool thing was really interesting too. I hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. We'll talk soon. Have you heard about the latest podcast for entrepreneurs called Tough Decisions? Listen to Dan and Danae Hanford as they interview successful people from around the world about tough decisions as entrepreneurs. Visit toughdecisions.net and be sure to subscribe to their free weekly entrepreneurial email. That's toughdecisions.net.